organization to have doers who actually do things. So that's part of the secret sauce. The second part of the secret sauce is what I call the art of listening. Do you want to learn effective ways to build relationships, generate sales, and grow your business from successful entrepreneurs, startups, and CEOs without listening to a long, long, long interview? If so, you've come to the right place. Gresham Harkness values your time and is ready to share with you precisely the information you're in search of. This is the I Am CEO Podcast. Hello, hello, hello. This is Gresh from the I Am CEO Podcast, and I appreciate you listening to this episode. If you've been listening this year, you know that we hit 1,600 episodes at the beginning of this year. We're doing something a little bit different where we are repurposing our favorite episodes around certain categories, topics, or as I like to call them, business pillars that we think are going to be extremely impactful for CEOs, entrepreneurs, and business owners, and what I like to call the CB Nation architects who are looking to level up their organizations. This month, we are focused on technology. We're a technology company that does dot, dot, dot. Technology is no longer an afterthought or something that you might do. It is actually a core part of your business. If you are a real estate investor, you're using it. If you're a financial firm, if you're a cleaning company, author, speaker, you are using technology. If you are in any business, you are using technology. And if you're not, then you're probably going to be disrupted by an organization that is. So this month, we are going to look into repurposing episodes that are around technology, whether that be firms or organizations that are actually using and investing in technology as a core part of their products and services, or potentially those individuals that are using and leveraging CEO hacks and CEO nuggets that center around technology and sharing ways that we can leverage it as well. Remember that you are a technology company that does dot, dot, dot. Sit back and enjoy this special episode of the IMCEO podcast. Hello, hello, hello. This is Gresh from the IMCEO podcast, and I have a very special guest on the show today. If Walter Schindler of WalterSchindler.com. Walter, it's awesome to have you on the show. Thank you, Gresham. No problem. And, and I wanted to read a little bit more about Walter so you can hear about all the awesome things that he's doing. And Dr. Walter Schindler is a PhD in a JD and has over 38 years of legal experience as an attorney specializing in corporate finance, mergers and acquisitions, and public offerings of securities, including 19 years of Gibson, Dunn, and Crutcher, where he was a partner for 12 years, including serving as the managing partner of the Orange County office. He is the founder of Sale Capital Partners, LLC, an early U.S. pioneer in sustainable investment. Dr. Schindler is now focused on his latest venture, Transformation LLC, a strategic advisory firm that focuses on the convergence of technology and energy across the entire spectrum of energy and power from oil and gas to solar and wind. Dr. Walter, are you ready to speak to the IMCEO community? Yes, I am. Thank you, Gresham. No problem. Thank you. And the first question I had was to hear a little bit more about what I call your CEO story and what led you to start your business. I became concerned very early as a result of my friendship with Ralph Cicerone, who was then chancellor of the University of California at Irvine, that I became concerned about climate change. And the reason is Ralph was on the team that won the Nobel Prize for discovering the hole in the ozone layer above Antarctica, resulting from unrestricted use of chlorofluorocarbons, mainly in like hairspray and deodorant. So as a result of that, Ralph and I became friends. I helped him plan what is now called University Research Park. And in the course of spending time with Ralph, he shared with me all of the scientific proof for climate change. He showed me some 80-something slides that ultimately became 
his lecture at the Princeton Environmental Institute. And he, I saw them very early. I saw all of the scientific proof for the increase in CO2 since the beginning of the Industrial Revolution. I saw the proof for the increasing amount of global warming that was taking place, particularly in the oceans and the Arctic. So I decided that I would switch from practicing law to investing in solutions to climate change and pollution. And I did some research on pollution and discovered how much pollution is in the air we breathe every day, even on a clear day. There's some 30 plus carcinogens in the air that are invisible and that result from industrialization. So as a result of all this, I started investing in solutions and I felt I was doing something important for the future of the world. Then I decided that even though I was having an impact, that I could have a greater impact if I moved over to transformation, which would focus on larger companies the size of Fluor, Bechtel, IBM, and focus on persuading them to improve their environmental input and acting as a strategic advisor to these large companies on how to do that. So that's what I've been doing the last couple of years. Awesome, awesome, awesome. And you might have already touched on this, but I, I usually ask for what I call your secret sauce. And this could be for you or for your organization, but what do you feel sets you apart and makes you unique? Well, first of all, I have a very capable chief of staff in Victoria Brodsky, who's sitting here with me, and she helps me actually implement and put into action a lot of things that would just remain ideas. So it's very important in your organization to have doers who actually do things. So that's part of the secret sauce. The second part of the secret sauce is what I call the art of listening. I find that if all I ever did was just talk at people and tell them about the problems, I find that very few people today actually listen to what you're saying because their minds are so overwhelmed with mobile device information and laptops and everything. So in order to get people to focus, I've found that first you have to listen to them and ask them, what is it about the world situation today that bothers you? And then let them talk a little bit and see where their minds are at and then find a way to show a relationship between their concerns and solutions to the concerns. So I think that the art of listening is becoming a lost art. And I think that's part of it. Then the third and last sort of part is that I've gone out of my way to give speeches at places where influential people might be and to alert them to the situation. So nobody pays me to do that. But I've spoken a fair amount at the Yale University School of Management. I've talked about solutions to climate change, been a guest of the British royal family in London and talked about sustainability in water and how we can achieve that. And so I go out of my way. This June, I'll be speaking in Geneva, a summit being called by several influential people. So I go out of my way to try to reach influential people about the situation, the problem, and the solution. And I do that in part because I myself was just born into a very normal family where my parents were government employees. And so I had to rise to a point where I really appreciate how important it is when you have the ear of influential people. 
Yeah, that makes perfect sense and to be able to, for one, gain get awareness by connecting with influential people and being able to let them know about what's going on so that they're aware, but also the ability to be able to communicate to a person and understand exactly what might be their pain points and show how this might affect and does affect them on a day-to-day basis is how you start to get more awareness and it starts to, to become something that a lot of people are aware of. That's exactly right. A lot of people don't realize that even in places like Dallas, where everybody thinks the air is clean, the actual level of pollution in the air in Dallas is about 44 times what is tolerable by a healthy human being. So you have a lot of people, even in what we think are clean cities, a lot of these people, all of a sudden, one day they come down with cancer or emphysema, and they think it's genetic and it's really not. It's environmentally caused. Absolutely, absolutely. And I wanted to switch gears a little bit and ask you for what I call a CEO hack. And this might be an app, a book, or a habit that you have, but it's something that you feel like makes you more effective and efficient. Hmm. Well, I have to say that the greatest wisdom I've ever received from anyone in terms of being an effective CEO is from a little book by Peter Drucker called The Effective Executive. And you can buy that book on Amazon for 10 bucks and it's only 100 pages, but it's filled with wisdom about how to be an effective executive or CEO. And the essence of the wisdom is to start every day by focusing on your top priorities from a strategic point of view. All of us have urgencies that we respond to. We have to return a book. We have to pay somebody a loan. We always have these little urgencies in our life. But what Peter Drucker teaches us is that we have to get up in the morning and think long-term about what are the three things we can do today that will have the largest effect long-term on what we want to accomplish. So from a strategic planning point of view, we rank our priorities at the beginning of every day. So I start every day thinking about what are the one or two or three things I can do that are going to change the result five years from now. It's a great book. I highly recommend it. Peter Drucker, The Effective Executive. I appreciate you for sharing that. And now I wanted to ask you for what I call a CEO nugget. And this is a word of wisdom or a piece of advice. Or if you can hop into a time machine, what would you tell your younger business self? Well, that's a great question. I think that right now, the main lesson I learned in the last 20 years is to be very careful in hiring people that you create a team that functions as a team and that you can't evaluate people in isolation just on the basis of their resumes. You have to see, is this person a team player? Is this person going to contribute to teamwork? If I had to redo some of the mistakes, it would all be around I hired people that individually had great resumes, but together as a team didn't work well. And so those, that would be the thing I would caution a younger version of me is to always think about not only the qualifications of a person, but how do they function as a team? For example, Victoria is a great team player. We work well as a team. And so that counts for 
more than half the battle. Yeah, absolutely. Because uh, what they say, success is a team sport. So you have to, you, you have star individuals that won't necessarily help you and help the mission of the organization move forward, but to be able to have people that understand and are able to be a part of the team, know how to communicate, do all those kind of soft skills sometimes that definitely can help move the needle forward. And so I love that CEO nugget. Well, thank you. You can see it in action in the New Orleans Saints. The, yes. the New Orleans as a football team is, of course, an incredible example of great leadership in Drew Brees. But every time they interview Drew Brees, he talks about his team. Mm-hmm. Every time they interview the team, they talk about each other. Mm-hmm. So the New Orleans Saints is, is a good example of effective teamwork. And it shows you that you can have both a great team and a great leader. So I very much look to them as a model of, of, of the kind of teamwork that should be in every organization. Yeah, that's funny that you said that because I was actually going to say that often it's hard to win sometimes when you just have one star performer, unless you have somebody like Will Chamberlain who can score 100 points and then you can sometimes get away with that. But still, you need a good team in order to be successful, whether it be like you mentioned in sports or it's in business or really in life for that matter. So thank you for reminding that. And now I wanted to ask you my absolute favorite question, which is the definition of what it means to be a CEO. And we're hoping to have different quote unquote CEOs on this show. So Walter, I wanted to ask you, what does being a CEO mean to you? Well, number one, the word executive and being the chief executive means you're the, the top of executive. The word executive is, is related to the word execute. And that means execution has two components, decisiveness and action. And I think a great CEO is someone who makes decisions and then puts those decisions into action. Weak CEOs spend an endless amount of time having meetings and revisiting their decisions and having panel discussions and memos and everything, and they never do anything. And one of the things I find that makes, I think, the essence, really, of being a CEO is that you're not just a leader that people follow. Of course, you have to be a leader, but you have to actually make decisions and execute on them. And you have to risk being wrong. Absolutely. A lot of people have trouble with that these days. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of times that's part of the risk of being the quote unquote CEO is making those decisions. And you have to understand that when they're right, you can be celebrated and the team can be celebrated when you're right or when you're wrong. Sometimes you take the brunt of it and you have to understand that. But action does amount to all of that. So I love that definition. And Dr. Walter, I truly appreciate you for taking some time out. What I want to do is pass you the mic, so to speak, just to see if there's anything additional you want to let our readers and our listeners know. And then, of course, how they can find out about you and all the awesome things that you're doing. Well, thank you. We have a business website at transformationholdingsplural.com. Transformationholdings.com. That's the current business website. My personal website is waltershindler.com. And my advisor on technology said I needed a personal website just because my bio is unusual and a lot of people have trouble understanding what I do unless I just make it plain and public. So I've just tried to become transparent. And then the venture firm I founded has a website at salecapital.com. And I'm proud to say that we won more international awards than any other firm focused on sustainable investment. We were in it too early in some respects, but we've become recognized as a pioneer. 
am grateful for that. And I, I really appreciate the opportunity to have your audience and participate live. That's exciting. So I appreciate that. No problem. I appreciate you. And I appreciate not just for the time that you took today. I hope you have a phenomenal rest of the day. Yeah, you too. Have a great day. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the I Am CEO podcast powered by Blue 16 Media. Tune in next time and visit us at imceo.co. I Am CEO is not just a phrase, it's a community. Be sure to follow us on social media and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and everywhere you listen to podcasts. Subscribe and leave us a five-star rating. Grab CEO Gear at www.ceogear.co. This has been the I Am CEO Podcast with Gresham Harkless. Thank you for listening.